You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State Buckeyes podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Matt Hayes, Brandon Bean from 97.1. The fan here in Columbus, Ohio. It is Wednesday, October 3rd. And Bean, we're finally calming down from the Penn State win. That was huge. Emotionally, everybody was all out of whack. Oh, yeah, you know, man. you know, our teams, though, on on Sunday, NFL Sunday, our teams decided to, uh, you know, level up and go to 3-1. and one. So That's we're right. feeling good Beautiful. about that. Feeling good about where the Buckeyes are right now. Here's what we're going to do today. In the first block, you hear a couple clips from Urban. We're going to react to a very, very early mock draft that mm. we've seen from Matt Miller from Bleacher Report. Um, go follow him on Twitter. He's got some really good stuff there. All draft stuff all throughout the season. He'll keep you up to date <clears throat> on all of the excuse me, all of the top prospects in college football that you need to keep track of. He did show some love to some Buckeyes in this first mock draft. But before we do any of that, Bean, what's good, man? Oh, not a whole lot. Just uh hanging out. Nice little Wednesday. Our uh our good show that's on from ten to noon. Bishman Laurenitis right here on the fan. Had a little technical problems this morning. It was amazing. So Finch, uh, their producer, Chops, was in uh, was in the studio that we record the podcast in uh, earlier, and they were recording an interview with the Columbus Blue Jackets captain, Nick Foligno. Their yep. season gets started tomorrow at Detroit. They were recording an interview to play on the show, and something that nobody will understand other than me and you were talking, you have to like switch the board elements around so that you can actually get the people in program. Yes. And so then they go to do their show 10 minutes later, and the program wasn't switched from our production studio that we do the podcast in to the actual show studio and talk to where they they talk at. And Bo this morning on his first Friday miracle yeah. couldn't hear anything for the first you know 30, 45 seconds of the show. But the great part about it was nobody could hear Bo, but the entire <laughs> world could hear him. And I can't imagine like he didn't oh, cuss man. or anything like that. I can't imagine what was going through his head. That's his yeah. show, you know, his little baby. Yep. And for the fact that he couldn't get on this morning, I mean, it is absolutely fantastic. That's what we walked into today, and it brightened my day up even more. It Listen, was beautiful. There's nothing worse. You know this beam in our in our business and what we do as producers than technical difficulties oh. right before yeah. the show starts. You and when, if it's thirty minutes to an hour, you got time to figure things out. But yeah. beam, that feeling in your gut. Oh man, it's brutal. Where things are going left right before the show is the worst thing. So, Chopsy, look, it happens to all of us a couple times a year for sure, but it is not a good feeling. You're on an island, really, by yourself, especially if there's no engineers around, those guys are running around doing stuff. Um, you, it is a really, really bad feeling. All right, let's get into these Buckeyes because now, you know, they've moved on from the Penn State game. They get Indiana this week at 4 o'clock right here at the crib. Uh, Trash at the kickoff time. It's a really weird kickoff time. I, I don't understand. This must mean it's a Fox game, right? It has to be a Fox I game at four o'clock. So, yeah. um, I, I don't really know of any other college football games that don't kick that kick off around four that really aren't on Fox. I know ESPN is usually there in the three thirty window, but either way, that's neither here nor there. Indiana this week. Here is Urban Meyer on describing Dwayne Haskins' development so far throughout the season. You know, he went to a, a smaller, a very good high school, but a smaller high school, and uh, I think that you know the competition wasn't like it was. Um, so it took him a little bit of time to get used to the speed and the aggressiveness and et cetera. And, and uh, this year he's been outstanding. He's really grown up. He's still growing as a player and as a quarterback. But game experience isn't, you know, a, 
priceless for a guy like that, and he's really handled it very well. I agree 100% with everything he just said right there, especially at the end, Bean, when you're talking about this guy who we know the talent, the upside is just absolutely through the roof, but now you're talking about him being battle-tested, getting those battle scars, going in tough environments. He's going to continue to get better and better. Now you're talking about a softer portion of the schedule here to where you want to continue to see him do what he's been doing throughout the all year long. You're talking about right now 70% completion percentage, so that that has come down a little bit. But he's th- completing 80% of his passes at home, 11 yards per attempt at home. So he'll be more comfortable back at the crib now with sure. a lesser opponent there. These guys will be able to get back on track. And I would think they'll be able to do pretty, pretty much whatever they want against Indian, who right now is nicked up and obviously just doesn't have the same depth that Ohio State has. No, absolutely not. You look at this team, this Indiana team that's coached by Tom Allen, which I think he's done a marvelous job taking over for Kevin Wilson there. Uh, You saw the tough game that Indiana gave Ohio State last year uh, for the first half uh, at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington. Uh, But when you look at this Indiana team, and yeah, you got Peyton Ramsey there, who's a good player, uh, a good little quarterback there. Uh, but he's nothing like you're going to see in Trace McSorley. He's not experienced enough. He's he's not uh, – I'm not going to say he's not a leader because I don't know Peyton Ramsey. I, I'm not at Indiana practices or anything like that. Uh, but this is a team – it's obviously a downstep from Penn State. One, you're coming back to the friendly confines of Ohio Stadium. Instead of having 109,000 people cheering against you, you're going to have 104,000 people cheering for you and you know listening to your every command, be quiet. You know, let's bring the noise up a little no doubt, bit, yep. everything about it. So I think that getting back home uh, is going to be pretty nice for Ohio State. I think it would be, Maddie. I think it would be a closer game this week if Ohio State would have had to do the dual back-to-back games uh, if they would have had to go to Penn State and then they would have had to travel west to go to Bloomington. Uh, but, yeah, you look at this Indiana team, man, I think Tom Allen, like I said, has done a, a really, really good job uh, with what he's been given. And for so long in the Big Ten, it seemed like Indiana – uh, was the absolute, you know, one of the, the laughing stocks of the Big Ten. They were just never competitive in any games. Uh, they could never really get anything going. They they got bowl eligible uh, just a couple of times in uh, Kevin Wilson's tenure there. Uh, but now you look at this team, you look at this team and you say, all right, they're, they're, on, they're on the come up. You know, you've got teams like Illinois and Rutgers now uh, who are kind of like the laughing stocks in the bottom of the Big Ten. And Indiana has done a marvelous job of taking themselves from a total bottom feeder to get into that middle portion of the Big Ten. And I think it's great to see, you know, if you're a Big Ten fan, the fact that Indiana has come alive a little bit. And now that you have a team every week who, you know, they're going to, more than likely, they're going to go 500 every year, maybe a game above 500 with their non-conference schedules. But now you have a team instead of, you know, who's 2-10 and 10 on the year, 1-11, and 11, uh, who is going to be a team where you look on your schedule and say, listen, this is going to be a good win for us yeah. if we can beat them. No doubt. you got to respect what they've been able to do, and that's especially offensively, they've been really good, and they've had some really good battles against Ohio State in the last couple of years. Now, let's get to the running game part of this, just because I really – think that this is still a really good weapon for the Buckeyes when you talk about J.K. Dobbins. I know Mike Weber's come out that he's still nicked up, so I would expect, Beam, that a lot of the work is going to go back towards J.K. Dobbins until Mike Weber is healthy and fully ready to go because I really think the latter part of the season is where you're going to need Mike Weber. When the games get cold, these guys on the defensive side of the ball are not going to want to tackle a guy like Mike Weber. So you get him healthy, you got a guy you can rely on. Here's Urban Meyer talking about how he'll utilize both Dobbins and Weber moving forward. We're working on maybe playing them both at one time. Uh, they're that quality of players. When you put your best 11 up on a board, those two names surface. So our obligation is to play the best players. And, uh, you know, last week we really didn't get the 
repetition we wanted with either one of them. So uh, just getting them in a rhythm and trying to get them their carries. And I kind of monitor that throughout the game. And I think that's something that they should do moving forward. Beam, you and I have been kind of on board with this. I think they should find a way to find the guy who is the more of a hot hand each game and roll with him the way they did in the TCU game. That being J.K. Dobbins right now, five yards uh, five yards per carry is what he's doing on the season. That's just really impressive from a guy who we know is ultimately just a younger guy who's still figuring it out Beam, each game. I have to imagine for J.K. Dobbins, even though he's got a lot of games under his belt now, I still think this guy has a ton left in the tank, and they should rely on him a lot more because I really think J.K. Dobbins is that special, and he's one of those backs to where if you get him going, Beam, you get him more touches throughout the game, he'll be better late in games when the defense starts to wear down because he's got that explosiveness. He's got the shiftiness. He's got a lot of bulkiness to him now. He put on some weight throughout this offseason. He has become more of a tougher, tougher matchup for defenses to worry about late in games because of all the things I just listed. J.K. Dobbins, for me, moving forward, needs more work, Beam. This is what Ohio State is. We know that You know, we've said this on this podcast before is they're really they're kind of like a boa constrictor. Yeah, they can come out and punch you in the mouth uh, and get out to an early lead. But uh, you saw it against Penn State. You saw it against TCU. This is a kind of team when it's in a tough environment, when it's in a close game that they have every strength in the world going for them late in games. And I think that's a hat tip to uh, Mickey Marotti, the strength coach over there at Ohio State, to get these guys in great shape and to, you know, where other teams, Maddie, in college football, NFL, whatever level of football you want to you want to look at, teams get weaker. Uh, teams get worn down as you go on in the game. But it just seems, you know, for the TCU game and the Penn State game, both both of these both of those games, Ohio State has really stepped up and they get stronger as the game goes on. And I think you're right with Dobbins. Yeah, you want to feed him early on uh, and get him his touches and everything because anytime he touches the ball, it has the possibility to be uh, absolutely electric. But when you get him going early uh, and then you start feeding him late as well, no doubt he's important. And I think the biggest thing, too, with what J.K. Dobbins is doing as compared to last year, uh, not that he didn't do it last year, but he did it significantly less than what he's doing now, is catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. I mean, he was the leading receiver in the Penn State game. Uh, I know that's kind of hard to believe. He had a couple of screen passes that he took for some some big yard plays. But just to see what he can do out of the backfield, uh, catching the ball, it makes that offense so much more dynamic. And you had Urban Meyer talking right there about a two a two running back set that if you put Weber and Dobbins both in there, and if you do an RPO with Weber – and Dwayne Haskins has the ability to either give it to him or pull it down and fling that sucker to ha- or to, to Dobbins. Then I mean, you could be looking at some electric plays. And like I said, I think they'll they'll break it out eventually. I think we've seen it once or twice this year where mm-hmm. both of them have lined up in the backfield, and they're not going to show their cards too early. And listen, I don't expect to see that you know maybe much during the Indiana game or the Minnesota game or Purdue game, but later on in the year, it's going to be something that defenses have to game plan. No for. No doubt about it. You mentioned the receiving stats. J.K. Dobbins right now seven receptions, 100 yards, 14.3 a pop, the long of 35, and obviously one touchdown in the Penn State game. So look, J.K. Dobbins has been absolutely special. We knew this is what he could be last year, being where he took on the scene last um, the game week one against Indiana a year ago. We knew this guy would be special, and just moving forward, I think with this offensive line, what they've been what they've been able to 
do, moving people around. Now you're talking about a guy that can run it up in the tackles, get outside of the tackles, catch passes, all that stuff. It's just a great weapon to have. And while Mike Weber is banged up, why not use this guy more and bleed the clock and absolutely just make it so tough for teams to catch up with you late in games when you do put up points to the air like Ohio State has been doing relatively early. You give the ball to Mike Weber in the second half, you bleed the clock, and you allow him to do damage. Before we take a quick break here, and we'll come back and talk about something that James Franklin had to say. We'll react to one of the mock drafts we've seen that have shown uh, some of these Buckeyes a lot of love in the first round. I want to let you know about our folks from Vivid Seats. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on your favorite team with Vivid Seats. You can attend the concert, show our show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You could sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice to make things even better vivid seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive twenty dollars off your orders of two hundred dollars or more to save even more money go to the app store or google play and download the vivid seats app use the promo code locked on all caps for twenty dollars off your order or two hundred dollars or more as a new member of vivid seats we'll be we'll be back react to some james franklin sound and talk a little bit about this mock draft This is Locked On Buckeyes, your team every day. So before we do the James Franklin stuff, I want to bring this up because I thought it was pretty intriguing what we saw here from Matt Miller, who did release one of his mock drafts yesterday. He'll sprinkle these in throughout the season. I think it's just fun to keep up with if you're a big draft person because it just gets you ready for draft time, obviously, but it lets you know that these are the guys that I need to watch on Saturdays who are taking the field. So at the number two pick right now, if if he was picking today, if this was a draft, he thinks that the Niners would take Nick Bosa, at number two overall. I don't think that's surprising to anybody, being no. even if this guy res- decides not to play a whole nother snap the rest of the year. I think he will for sure be a top five pick no matter what. So we'll move on from that, and let's react a little bit to some of these other selections that he had. And again, this is just a mock draft. We're in October. It doesn't mean much. I just thought it was interesting, some of the names that you see here. So at 15, Beam, he's got the Seattle Seahawks taking Draymond Jones. Mm-hmm. And we know that's a, that's an organization that loves defense. What they've been able to do, the Legion of Boom is officially gone now with Earl Thomas breaking sure. his leg. Um, that is no longer going to be a thing. So Draymond Jones, you bring him in. They got some good linebackers there with Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright. This is a guy who I think in a position that's going to be really valuable moving forward, that pass rush up the middle of the offensive line. You just don't find a lot of guys that can do that at high level beam. I think that'd be a really good thing for him. And I think now we have, we're have we dipping into the minds of some of these draft guys, some of these scouts that see Draymond Jones as for sure a first-round pick moving forward as long as he doesn't goof anything up the rest of the way. Yeah, Maddie, you look at Draymond Jones, and uh, I think everyone was kind of surprised last year when he decided to return for his senior season at Ohio State. This was a guy uh, who was slated to go you know, late second round, early third round. And, you know, That's still pretty good money. That's guaranteed contract. Anytime you get drafted, that's guaranteed money that you get. Uh, but now there's there's been nobody on Ohio State who has made a bigger jump uh, in their pro draftability factor than Draymond Jones because even though it sucks for Ohio State fans that Nick Bosa is out, I think what it does, Maddie, is it highlights Draymond Jones even more to show what he can do uh, in any kind of game. You know, do you want a run stopper? You want a pass stopper? You want a three technique? Uh, a guy who's built like a brick house tight end. He can even drop back into coverage if you need him to. Uh, he can spy the quarterback. This guy's an elite athlete. Uh, he's fantastic. But I don't think there's been anybody on Ohio State uh, this season who has increased their draft stock more than Draymond Jones. And honestly, I knew that him coming back was going to be a huge deal. 
Uh, I didn't know he was going to be this good, though, because you look at the first five weeks of the season, man. This dude has been just out of control yeah. good. He's obviously the leader of that defensive line, uh, or one of the leaders of that defensive line with Nick Bosa being out, given everything you got during the the entire game. You saw him hobbling around at the end of the Penn State game. Uh, still looked like he was in some pain, uh, but he still he gritted it out, man. He got in there, uh, and he just uh, he just absolutely kept going. So great for Draymond Jones to see him uh, high up on a, uh, on a on a little mock draft list the next Buckeye that we see on this mock draft comes in at number 23 to the Carolina Panthers and that's Kendall Sheffield Ooh. I mean I think he's been pretty consistent all year long he was the corner last year that came in that didn't have a lot of buzz around him from yeah. the media you heard the guy didn't talk much he ran track this all season we know the blazing speed is there and this is a defense right now in Carolina that's really good so if this were to happen you insert in insert him into that role they have a really good corner that they took last year and Dante Jackson just reading some stuff here uh, they took him in the second round so he's been playing well I think he had a couple picks in the game I watched last Sunday for Carolina so this is a really good defense we know what Keekley and Davis and all those guys are about but who knows how long Thomas Davis can play sure you get corners out there that can cover against a team that likes to run the ball a lot I'm sorry that likes to run the ball line Carolina man that's going to be tough if they if they you know drain out the clock and they force teams to throw back into games and a pick like Kendall Shuffle at corner makes sense when they've got other younger younger corners uh, to defend the pass late in games. I, look, if you get drafted by Carolina to play defense in the first round, that's a good sign that a lot of they really believe in you to sure, come Ron in and do Rivera, some damage. Exactly. absolute legend. Uh, right. Chicago Bears. You know he's he's gritted himself on defense. Uh, was a defensive coordinator for the Bears for a long time, and he he moves down to Carolina, and he has that team uh, doing just fine. But yeah, anytime you're right, you get drafted by the Panthers to play defense. Uh, you're 100% doing things right. And Kendall Sheffield's game, Maddie, this year for Ohio State has reminded me of his personality. You know, because he doesn't make the big mistake. He, you know, he can obviously he can make a big play, but you just you see him out on the field there, and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah, good player, Kendall Sheffield. Yep. And then you actually break down what he does, and you're like. Great player. He's throwing out blankets. Kendall Sheffield. He's putting like, blankets he, on receivers. Yeah, and yes. this is a guy who, you know, is – he is. He's a very quiet guy, uh, doesn't talk a lot. Uh, you never see him really get in any jawing battles on the field, no stupid penalties or anything like that. Um, it's just he's he's unbelievably fast. He's lanky. He's strong. He's got everything you want in an NFL starting cornerback. Uh, so I think it would be a great fit for Carolina. Like we said, I, I don't know you know how this will all fall out and where these guys are going to go. October 3rd. Uh, but, yeah, it, you just have to think that you know if he – still does things because you as fans you watch games obviously and you go over it but like I'm not watching Kendall Sheffield every play but these NFL draft scouts who are at the games I mean they're locking in on guys who they're interested in and you can see that on film if you just blanket Kendall Sheffield and you circle him and you watch him for the most part you know, 80% of the time, 85% of the time, he's not letting dudes get by him. And we know, Beam, that these NFL scouts are always in Columbus. They're watching all these practices, and that's a good point that you bring up. These guys have a feel of the type of player that they want, and they're going to map out a way to get that player come draft time if they feel like it's a significant need. Significant need. Speaking of significant need, I think this is a really, really good fit for this next Buckeye on this mock draft, and that's Damon Arnett going to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, look, Mahomes has been an absolute dog. He looks like the Steph Curry of the NFL with the way he's been able to put up. He literally up looks like right, Steph exactly. Curry in and they, helmet, too. The way they play with the putting up all yeah. those points, I think he is Steph Curry in a football uniform. But 
the Kansas City Chiefs taking Damon Arnett, I think that would be absolutely perfect, being because remember, they traded away Marcus Peters. Eric Berry has been banged up for a while now. His story from cancer has been incredible, but the injury stuff has been a real thing with Eric Berry. But now you're talking about them taking Damon Arnett, reassuring that secondary, and finally being able to stop people with that offense. I think this should be an offseason for Kansas City, being of moving on on the defensive side of the ball to trying to find as many studs as possible. Because with that offense, I would go all in on defense to re- reassure that, hey, we're going to become a complete team the way the Rams are trying to do this thing right now, the way the Eagles did it a year ago. Get Damon Arnett. That would be a guy that I think would be a great fit for Kansas City just because it's such a glaring need for them right now. You don't even need a great defense if you're Kansas City right now. The way that your offense is rolling and the way Mahomes is firing that sucker around the field, uh, the way that Kareem Hunt ran on Monday night against the Broncos, I mean, their their offense uh, is absolutely brilliant. And I think that Damon Arnett, I think the biggest weak, weak spot in his game, Matty, is just his size. You know, if this dude's going up, you know, like against like a, I don't know, a Julio Jones or someone like that. Uh, I think he's twitchy enough to maybe stay up with like an Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster yeah. kind of a guy. Uh, but I would like to think that when he gets in the NFL, defensive coordinators are going to put him in spots where he's not guarding the big target guy. You saw him. Mm-hmm. You saw Damon J- Arnett. Juwan Johnson. You yep. saw that mismatch all yep. day. They were trying to go for it. He did great. I mean, Congratulations sure, to Juwan Johnson right. for bringing that sucker down. It was a great catch, but that's going to be the main knock against Damon Arnett when he goes in the league. Is just going to be his size. He's good enough uh, to be a cover guy against twitchy dudes. Yep. But other than that, I think he is a very, very solid NFL pick. No, I, I agree, and I think it's a great point that you bring up. That's some of these guys. When I mean, we've seen it for years now, that these NFL organizations love the big-bodied corner, right? That's always been the thing. Yeah. The Richard Sherman, the Jalen Ramsey, Josh the, Norman, Josh Norman, yeah. the Patrick Peterson, all of these guys six one, six two that can cover these receivers because we know those big targets for quarterbacks are just really good weapons to have. So for Damon Arnett, the thing that he's going to need is for the smaller corners like Dante Jackson from Carolina, former Buckeye Denzel Ward. If sure. he comes out and continues to do what he's done through and through the early portion of the year, that's going to be a good sign for Damon moving forward because I think GMs and owners of teams will feel better about drafting small corners. Before we take a break here, play the James Franklin sound and talk a little bit about the AP poll. Bean's got a message from our folks at Vivid Seats. Yeah, Maddie, go to the App Store or Google Play and download Vivid Seats. Download the app. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Like we said, download the app, enter the promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make sure you go to Vivid Seats and check our people out. You are Locked On Buckeyes. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked On Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. So after the Penn State game, James Franklin was obviously fired up. He was fired up on the sideline when they were doing well and all that stuff. Did you see the video of James Franklin entering the tunnel and a fan was was chirping at him? He clapped back, and I get it. I appreciate your input. I I get it, right? (laughs) I totally understand. The fans are pissed off, but I think James Franklin, what he's been able to do, Beam, where you talk about coming in for Vanderbilt, the limited scholarship stuff, mm-hmm. all the dark clouds hanging over Penn State. It's been State, amazing. And he's barely brought some sunlight into that program. We'll see next year when McSorley's not there how he, how he can really do things without a veteran quarterback. But I think right now, I mean, you got to tip your hat to what James Franklin has been able to do because he's he has Penn State back on the map. So here is the minute-and-a-half clip of James Franklin just absolutely going ham in the post-game press conference after the Yale to Ohio State. It's, it's all the details. It's all the little things. It's finding a way to overcome adversity consistently. 
It's, like I said, it's going to class consistently. It's getting to meetings on time. It's having your phone turned off in the meetings. It's, it's not settling for a B in a class when you could have got an A. It's taking notes in every single meeting. Every single meeting. Not because the coaches told you to do it, because you want to be great. It's the coaches making sure that that's the standard. And we don't ask settle, we don't make excuses, we don't allow it to happen. There is a way to be unbelievably successful in life, in football, that's, that's what we're going to do. And we have let little things slip by, that ain't happening. Because those little things that have slipped by, it's one point last year, it's one point this year. It's not happening anymore. It's not happening anymore. You guys thought I was a psychopath in the past? You have no idea. And I, and I don't want you to take it the wrong way. I'm not saying from a negative standpoint. I'm not a negative guy. But I am going to make sure that as, as our program, that we do everything right. And we grow every single day. And we challenge ourselves every single day. And we get uncomfortable. We get comfortable being uncomfortable and break out of great to get to that next phase. I mean, I love that. Come on. Right. I mean, well, I'm tired of I'm being re- comfortable. <laughs> I love that, man, because this is a dude right now who the last two years, two Amazing. years in a row, you heard him mention it there, how close the deficit of a loss was for his team. And when you're that close to taking down the evil empire of the Big Ten, sure. you're going to feel like that after that's the what game. You are, Ohio State. And, and you, you are, are the, the evil yes. empire. That's why you get the reaction you get with the stuff that happened this you're summer. You're the Lannisters. That's why, exactly. That's why the Patriots get the reaction they get with the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Deflategate. When the evil empire is on the ropes, you are going to get a ton of emotion around that. And yeah. that's what James Franklin brought to the table there because he knows that they're close. They're really close to becoming... Two points in two years. Yes, they are really close to becoming a yearly national championship contender every single year. Now, they're a couple pieces away from doing that. I just really love that from him, man, the emotion that you get from James Franklin because right now, being there in an organization or a university that's really close to doing something special. Yeah, I mean, you look at Penn State for the past couple of years, Matt, and they've been... It's been crazy how much how close they have been to beating Ohio State. Right. They've got these cats on the ropes. Two years. James Franklin is sick. I'm sure. I'm sure Penn State fans are sick of it. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure James Franklin is sick of it. And I think it came out during his press conference, and he showed. Uh, I don't necessarily love him throwing his players under the bus for not going to class. I don't think that's the time and place. Sure. I think you need to keep that in house a little bit. But when you look at James Franklin, uh, I think of those comments are warranted. You know, this is a great program, but we need to take that step to become elite. And I think in the next few years that those the, that is going to be the guy. That's going to be the guy when you look at uh, you know the Big Ten. We talk so much about Jim Harbaugh uh, and you know the enemies to the north, but really you look at Penn State and what. Uh, James Franklin has done in that program. I thought it was going to take six, seven years for them to rebound off, off of all of this stuff with the sanctions and everything. But James Franklin has come in there. He's done a marvelous job. He's had some great players with him. You know, he's had Saquon Bar- Barkley. He's had Trace McSorley, one of the most decorated quarterbacks in Penn State Probably, history. Yep. Uh, but we're going to find out next year. Uh, what exactly Penn State is, and we're going to find out the resiliency that they have this year. Can yeah. they come back from this loss? Because last year when this happened, they got blasted, yep. got absolutely blasted by Michigan. Yeah, they got destroyed by them, and it was not a good rebound no, at Sparty, all. Sparty, but Sparty, you're right, you're right. Because they blasted and, Michigan. Exactly, and so, look, it is going to be interesting to monitor how they you know, finish out this season, no doubt about that. All right, that's it for today. When we come back tomorrow, Hunter Renfro speaking about the whole Kelly Bryant transfer rule. 
We'll talk about that and a little bit about the AP poll. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. Matt Hayes, Brandon B. from 97.1 The Fan right here in Columbus, Ohio.